I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Damien Lupo. Damien is a best-selling author of a dozen books on personal finance, investment, and retirement strategies. He's on a mission to free one million people from financial bondage. Uh, he hosts the Financial Undergods podcast, Undergr- Underdogs podcast, sorry. Um, and I, I would love to talk about your sort of take on that. Uh, started over 50 companies. There's so much to talk about here, Damien. I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of let you tell your story. But, but first of all, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what we un- unearth and uncover. You never know yeah. what's going to come out. Yeah, me too. Well, maybe you could start by just kind of giving us a little more detail on your background and then uh, it will go ahead and figure out whatever, wherever it takes us. Sure. Uh, background. I, I started out doing what everybody else did, like following the rules. And then I started breaking rules and that started off with, I went to college and, and like you're, you know, a good boy or girl is supposed to do. And I went out there and, and uh, the first time it didn't really quite fit. And, and so I tried to work in and then I went back to school and I ended up getting thrown out of school for starting a bookstore on campus and that was, that was just me being me, being an entrepreneur. And, and it was, it was me being in my genius, which is a problem solver. And I, and I, what I realized looking back is that that's one of the most useful places we can be wherever we're supposed to be instead of where somebody thinks we should be or what our parents tell us you know, we should, we should do because it's the safe thing or, or society says, this is the right thing. We should be figuring out what are like you, you talk about your why, like what is, what is driving you? What's your purpose? And so I just, I started out doing these different businesses. And, and I mean, I had like a call a coupon cutting business in, in college. That was a great way to spend 500 bucks for a kit and not really know what I was doing. Eventually that found, I found real estate and real estate was like an infomercial. So in the old days, it's kind of funny being at the place where like, I think back when I had hair, like now, you know, totally bald. Right. And and I'm like, well, in the days of hair, I remember when I did this or that. And and I watched infomercials like a lot of people at two o'clock in the morning. Now everything 24 seven on the internet is an infomercial because there's ads everywhere. So I I saw this thing and I said, that's cool. A real estate thing. So I I flew out to Florida and went to a, a big seminar and bought everybody's tapes and actually listened to them. Which, by the way, this is like something you should write down. Everybody that's listening, watching, you should absolutely listen to the tapes or CDs or audios you buy, and you should read the freaking books. Because a book that, you know, if, if you have a book, I, I think Jim Rohn said this, a, a book, it doesn't matter. It, there's no difference between illiterate and not reading if you have a book that you haven't read. It's the same thing as being illiterate. So so anyway, I, I listened to those books, but I decided to, to go in, and I just bought a, a rental property after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to do this. And so I just started doing that. And when I say that, I was, was buying some houses and I did that for a little while. Four months in, I realized I was like 30 days from bankruptcy because I got excited and I found the juice. And the problem with finding the juice and not having an economic model is you can easily go bankrupt because there's this thing called the human experience where cash is required. Like you're not going to will yourself into eating or having a roof. Like you do get evicted. 
And, and then I went, oh man, I'm like really going to be a disastrous bankrupt 23 year old or whatever I was. And, and at that point I went in, like listened to the tapes again and went and took action and I bought eight houses that month. And then from there about 150 total. And that was, that was very, very cool to go through that process. This was my first big win, became a multimillionaire, thought I was, you know, I was all that and, and a, and a slice of cheese or bread or whatever that saying is. And then 2008 showed me that I was not much of anything. And I had a $20 million portfolio that turned into negative five in 12 months. So I lost $25 million in, in a year and had to start over. And that's really where things started to become clear after I spent some time swimming in denial and did that whole thing. And, and uh, came on the other side and, and said, you know what? Maybe there's something else than just making money because that whole process didn't seem to work very well. And it was, and, and I, I asked some different questions and, and spent time getting help. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons that when you go in into a space where you think you're, you know, everything you're about to have a reckoning, a train is going to drive over your face. And that's what happened to me. It had to start over. And, and as an entrepreneur does, we just get up and we go, okay, you know, after we're in the time out, time out box for a little while, we say, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try something else. And maybe I'll try using some lessons I learned and, and have some rules because our ego is the biggest dangerous piece tool that we have. It's also the greatest asset we have because it'll drive us through everybody criticizing people, telling us that we're too stupid or crazy. I mean, I'm sure that, that Elon Musk's ego is a major factor in him literally bucking every trend and everything that people told him was stupid or crazy or not going to, not going to work. Yeah. So you have to really understand that. And I think going through a lot of stuff and, and melting down is, is a, a beautiful gift wrapped up in a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, I, so much, so much there. And I think the, 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 the funny thing, I mean, I think the whole, the whole theme, a large part of that there is that not following the trends, right? Like not doing what you're necessarily taught is the right thing to do. Not, you know, you said you got kicked out of school for having a bookstore, like Amazon started as a bookstore. Like there's just stuff that it's like you, you simple things that people just, it aren't, they aren't the norm. And so people don't like it. And then, but, but then you realize, Hey, wait a second. Amazon has changed the world. Like you brought up Elon Musk, like people, people are still saying stuff about Elon Musk, still saying like trying to be negative somehow about, you know, the guy who's, who's literally changed the world and continues to do so. And it's just, it, yeah, you're right. It, you've got to, you've got to have a thick skin. You've got to have an ego to, to push through that, you know, and continue to, to believe in yourself <clears throat> believe in what you're trying to do. So, um, I think that's a re actually really important message. Uh, also like what you said about, you know, sort of the books, it's, it's, it's not enough just to buy the books or subscribe to the podcasts or all of that. Like you actually have to do something with it. So it, you're, you know, it starts with reading that book and <laughs> listening to, and, and maybe taking some notes and maybe actually listening to those, you know, people that are experts in the field and doing what they, what they're suggesting. So, I mean, all, all very sort of powerful and important stuff. And I, I'm always interested in the people that, so I got, I guess, sort of lucky in the sense that I was, I, I, I didn't call it real estate investing before the crash. I had bought some houses and 
renovated them. I didn't know what I was doing was flipping houses or like live in flips and things like that. I had done that, but the timing was such that I actually like sold right before and then had some time afterwards before I kind of got back into it. So I was lucky enough to not get killed by it, but I know, you know, anyone who was doing things at the scale that you were at that point, it really, it really impacted them. So what, what lessons did you learn? I mean, I, I think there's, you know, obviously this was uh, <laughs> driven a lot by bad lending um, and what, you know, people just kind of letting people get over leverage, but how, what did you take away from that? What did, what did it mean to you? Well, one of the things that I learned there was that there, there's, you're not going to learn anything unless you take responsibility for everything. And that, I mean, really, truly everything. So I had, I had a partner that at the time I thought it was his fault, but it was really my fault for even deciding to have that partnership. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that, I, that it was my fault that he was a bad person or, I mean, when you're, when you're involved with somebody that's basically a criminal, that's on you for choosing that person to be in your life. And, sure. and so that was part of it. You know, I used to blame, uh, I was blaming Bush and Obama and the federal reserve and everything. And when you shift away from blame into total self-responsibility, you have the ability to change something. It's like nothing can get in the way. And all of a sudden Providence happens when you commit all these different things, these forces, this energy, the support shows up and helps drive you towards this thing. But that's only when you commit. And that's one of the biggest things people are missing. They're chasing all these, these shiny nuts, like a bunch of drunk squirrels. And it doesn't really work out very well. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, certainly accountability and being committed uh, go hand in hand and, and sort of have that, that's the rocket fuel, right, to get you to to the success that you're looking at. Because otherwise, you know, you're kind of just, their hopes and dreams, but they don't really have any foundation in them. And you you really have to, there has to be action associated with it. And so whether that's, you know, how your, your response to a bad partner, or that's how you, you just have decided this is what I'm going to do to change the world. Like Elon Musk has, you know, there, there's no, and, and I think a lot of people don't maybe don't understand that level of commitment to certain things. And maybe don't, they don't probably don't always like it. Uh, if when, you know, cause they, they'll talk about it with obsession and, you know, here, I don't, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Grover, but he was Michael Jordan's coach, right? So he, this is basically what his books are about, what all he talks about, but it's just those guys like Michael Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant and, you know, people that he's trained they're they're, they really have one focus probably makes them not great at other parts of life right? Like it's, it's, it's probably hard to be the world's greatest athlete in any sport and still be like a great husband or a great dad or whatever. Like it, it, I assume, you know, again, Elon Musk, he's like very focused on what he's doing. It's probably hard for him to be great in other parts of his life. So if you don't understand that level of commitment to something, it's going to seem, it's going to seem bad. It's like, I just think maybe it's not for everybody, right? It's not for everybody to be the Michael Jordan or the Tom Brady or, or any of that. It's people have to decide what level of commitment they are willing to put in and realize that you get different results with, with different levels of commitment. I think it's a great point you're, you're bringing up. I mean, I really like it. And I, and I, you know, with, with relentless and, and the work that Tim Grover has done, I remember uh, meeting him in Florida and just, you know, he was talking about his, everything he'd done, the work he'd done with D Wade and, and Kobe and Michael Jordan and all these guys. And, 
And there, there is a, an obsession this relentlessness. And I, I I'm with a lot of people that are good people. And they talk about all the stuff that's important and like going to basketball games and coaching little league and all this other stuff. I'm like, that's great. And you're never going to change the world with what you're doing because you are going to be, your focus is being balanced and having, and I, and that's not bad. It's just, you have right, to there's decide nothing wrong with it. Yeah. No, it's it, hundred percent. It's different priorities. I mean, I haven't had a family and kids and things. And you know why? Cause most women are like, you're freaking crazy. You, you literally are, you love talking about your thing and you're into it and you work days and nights and I'm like, yeah. And that's, and, and that's for somebody and it's not for most people. And if people try to force that, it really screws them up because there's this friction. And until you know yourself, until you're, until you really know yourself, like that, I don't know if that was Aristotle or Socrates, but know thyself, like this is a big deal. Yeah. When you know thyself, you can choose rationally whatever your path is instead of following, I'm going to follow Elon or I'm going to follow the, the perfect mix of two hours per part of my life per day, you know, with the, the soccer and, and the, the work and the working out and like there's seasons for things. And what people try to do is they try to have this perfect balance and it ends up being totally stressful. And then they end up, you know, wiping out or they try to go for something and then their, their traditional life pulls them back. And they wonder why it's something that you have to be a little bit, a little bit nuts like, do you think that Michael Jordan or Kobe or anybody that's in the Olympics or anybody or Elon, it doesn't matter anybody that goes for something really big, like a deep purpose that to change the world. And I'm not saying changing a child's life isn't equally as important. The people that are doing the big stuff that's crazy right now, that's going to seem normal down the road. There is no balance in these people's lives. I mean, give me a break. Those people are, they, yeah. they, look, they look like aliens. And there's an argument that Elon may be an alien. <laughs> we, we there there isn't the obsession looks there like is a set of theories about that yes absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think yeah and it's like it doesn't i don't even think that it necessarily matters what it is what your obsession like maybe your obsession is balance maybe your obsession is basketball maybe your obsession is is parenting it, it doesn't it doesn't matter it, it's just that whatever you're going to do if you really want to be successful at that thing it's kind of got to be a little bit of obsession. I think I, I don't, I don't think you can sort of casually do things, casually do big things and still be really successful at them. And I, and I, I think that, I think that applies to, to parenting. I think that applies to being a teacher. I think that applies to, to buying real estate, like whatever it is, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. It's just, it is, it is a different sort of mindset to, to get to that level. It's, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm from, I'm from uh, Boston originally, huge Patriots fan, big Tom Brady fan was very upset when he left the Patriots. When he retired for all of 15 minutes, I was like, no, he, he, he can't retire. Like he's not ready. Like he's, he's still the best quarterback in the league. Like he can't retire yet. That doesn't, that is not going to fit. And he figured that out in, in what, three weeks, I think it was like, it was just like, he's, he, you know, he says, I want, you know, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want, but he's still, you, you talked about seasons. Like he's still in the season of being the greatest of all time. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how guys walk away from that. Right. Without like a, a reason to, to do so. I, I, it just doesn't. And so I was like, there's no way he can't, he's, he's coming back. Uh, so it's, yeah, it is a, it is for sure a mindset and a, and a sort of a way of an approach to whatever it is you're trying to achieve. 
Well, I, I agree with that. And and one of the things that people have to, everybody should, th- should be thinking, if you're going to stop doing something, you got to pick what you're going to do instead. That's as big or bigger, because if it's less, you're going to be feeling like you left something behind that you're not finished with. And so you really do. And that's, this is why the idea of retirement is so stupid. I'm going to retire. And then what happens? I mean, the, if you look at the social security administration information, the, the average number of checks that go out to the average U.S. male that retires is less than 36. What does that mean? It means that there's less than three years of life after you retire because you're basically saying, I'm done. I'm done. Right. The universe says, well, you're taking up space and resources, so let's kill you off and, and open some space for somebody else. When you find people that are, like 100 years ago, there were people that lived in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. 100 years ago, the average person was living to 45 or, you know, it, it wasn't 75 here. Yeah. And why were they doing that? Because they had deep purpose. Our Andrew Carnegie made the richest guy in the world at the time. And he spent the second half of his life giving money away, building libraries, doing things. So he made all this money and then he found a bigger purpose. And he said it was harder. It was harder to give away the money than it was to make the money. So when you when you think about switching, Tom Brady, apparently, I mean, he, look, he's got a super smoking hot wife and he's got a family and he's got lots of things. He's in, I mean, he's in the middle of everything. The biggest purpose he has is his goatness. You know, he's that's that's what he is compelled to do. And, and so instead of saying, well, I'm going to go do something else that's not as great as this, he, you know, he, I think that he's doing the right thing until he's actually done. You're right. He wasn't done. He was, he was, he was, theoretically was done for like 40 days and like he got it. If he, and I think he would have been miserable if he had yeah. stayed with it yeah. with, with his retirement. And then we all have to think about that because a lot of people are trying to get away from something. And the question is, what are you trying to get into? And, and just, just avoiding something like, I can't wait until I can stop this job, or I can't wait until I can do, until I can be done with whatever I got to get out of this relationship. What are you being compelled towards? Like, and you got to envision that and have a plan for that. And that's what will pull you there. Otherwise it's a vacuum. You'll get sucked into something stupid. I mean, I've done that a million times and it does not end well. Yeah. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you don't, uh, if you don't, especially when it's something that that's driving you that big, like like it is for him or for, you know, Michael Jordan, it's like they, you know, those high level athletes, you hear all the time about how hard it is for them to, after they retire, right. Because they have devoted their lives to that, that purpose. And then they just stop. And the ones that don't come up with something else to pursue, that's, you know, that's a big problem for them. They don't, you know, it's a big hole. You know, they talk about, the locker room and the team teammates and the camaraderie. And, and sure that's all true, but, but really I think it's just, it's a hole where you had a driver and a purpose and a, and a reason to, you know, kind of push yourself every day. And then that just goes away. And I think it's very hard to, to flip that switch to something else. If you haven't, you know, sort of already thought it out, it was like, you know, Kobe came out and, and became an Oscar winner. Like it, it there's, there are things that, you got to replace it with, if you're, if you're, if you live in greatness, you have probably have to replace (laughs) that greatness with other greatness. If you, uh, if you stop doing whatever it was that you started out with, but um, probably a little bit off off topic there, but I I think it's just an interesting sort of mindset. And And you see it a lot in, in the real estate space, like the people that have, you know, really, gotten really big with real estate and you know, they've made plenty of money and all of that. And it's like, then what does it become? Right. Once you've reached financial freedom, once you're kind of at that point where you don't need any more, then it's kind of cool to see what people then replace that with as far as their purpose and whether, you know, 
charity, uh, you know, just, just what is the, what is the meaning of that business become? It becomes less of a, you know, money driven and more about what is their purpose and, and who are they, you know, what causes are they supporting and all of that. So I think that's, uh, it, it's something that we see a lot, you know, in the real estate space as well. Yep. hundred percent. Totally agree with that. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about the EQRP. I, I maybe describe it to us, kind of tell us how, how you came across that, how you came up with it. Well, EQRP is an enhanced qualified retirement plan. It's, it's a, it's a way of building a 401k that's unique because it was created here. Uh, the EQRP company that, that I founded and run it, it's a, it's a way to control your retirement money. And so that you have actual, actual control of it. And you can do this to where you can invest in things that are not wall street. You can invest in wall street too. It's just, it gives you a lot more choices. And this it, it's, it's for people that say, you know what, I believe that I'm going to know my money and I'm going to, I'm going to love my money more than any financial advisor. Cause they love the fees. They don't care about your money. Mm-hmm. What they care about is getting their one or two or three or 4% and going golfing and having the AUM. And in reality, there's another option. And so when I created this years ago, I created a, a system so that people could take control of their IRAs and 401ks and they could actually invest and take actual physical possession of things. They can choose whether they wanted to invest in real estate or private companies, small companies, startups, physical gold, Bitcoin. It gives people all these choices. Even people that have companies that have like, you know, hundred employees where everybody gets the choice to invest in all the different things that are out there because the IRS didn't say you can't invest. What happened is wall street said, well, let's just tell people that here are the options. And they didn't really tell anybody why, because it's about fees. Wall Street is a system. It's a juggernaut set up to, to rape and pillage and feed on the people. It's not meant for you to be financially free. All these yahoos on, on talk radio, like the Daves and the Susies that say you should do these things and you should have a, an index fund and, and that the, the guru from Fiji that says, hey, in, in my money book, that's a thousand pages. Here's what you do. You go put your money with a financial advisor in a no-load fund. That's insane. Is that how he made his hundreds of millions of dollars? 100% no. So- this, this gives you the ability to be, to play in the level in, in the space with the pros where you actually go out and you find assets, you pick them, you choose them, you hold them, you control them. And you can do that in a tax sheltered way. Because one of the things that smart people do as well is they pay little or no taxes. How do they do that? They have great teams. So the EQRP is meant for people that are more engaged, that are active, that aren't just sitting on the sidelines. And, and sometimes I hear people saying, well, I'm really busy. So I, I need to be passive. I'm like, really? Are you married? They go, yeah. And I go, well, how, how's your passive sex life? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you have passive sex? Because if you did, your, your spouse is either not going to want to hang out with you or going to leave you. And, and so you have to decide if you're actively engaging, because if you're passive, things go away. It's called entropy. If you don't put energy into something, whether it's money or sex, it doesn't make any difference. It will go away. It will degrade. It's a universal law. And so the EQRP is meant for people that are going to continue to put energy into their money and they're going to care about it. And they're going to say it, it, it matters. That's the biggest shift. It's a mindset shift and it's a tool that is unlike any other tool. There is no tool that gives you control and, and access and, and the ability to really design a future versus having a default life. And that's where most people are, default life. They listen to somebody that says, just put your $100 or your 200 or $500 away, put it into a mutual fund and everything will work out. I guarantee you that's not true. The world has definitely changed. And if you were lucky enough to be born in 1940 and you put money away, you watch the biggest bull market in history run you along. We're in a place where we're going to have stagflation and, and inflation and problems that are not going to be, that, that aren't going to allow you to have the old thinking. You've got to reinvent your thinking. 
And that's that's what the EQRP has been all about. It's about taking control of your future and then saying, I'm going to be in the driver's seat. I'm not going to just wait and hope and smoke a bunch of hopium and maybe it'll work out. This is really about people saying, all right, you know what? My life, my choice, my my decision, and I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I've talked about it on the show before, but the, the traditional retirement path of IRAs and 401ks, really, it doesn't, now that I... Now that I know more about it, certainly I don't consider myself an expert, but I know enough to know that it, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't truly, I mean, I guess it's better than doing nothing, but it doesn't truly help you sort of excel or retire early or, you know, live, live a, a, a very comfortable life when you do want to retire and, and it's, you know, not until you're 65. And, and as you said, it's like, if, if only 36 payments are going out on social security. That's, that's indicative that, that, yeah, you know, retirement is maybe not, <laughs> maybe not the greatest uh, thing that you can look forward to in life. So, um, so how does it work? How do you qualify? I know, you know, there, there's all kinds of different uh, forms of, of, you know, there's your traditional 401k that you get through the workplace. There's um, uh, 401k, like, solo 401ks, there's self, there's a uh, IRAs, there's SEP IRAs, there's all kinds of different ways to do these retirement things. And they all have specific rules associated with them as far as whether it's the amount of income you can make or, or, you know, how much you can contribute to it. So how does the EQRP work? What's, what are the qualifiers for that? And, and how would someone get into it? Well, the, the thing about the EQRP that's interesting and unique is that it's, it's built on, on, really a community and a tribe and, and a team. So is there, is there an answer for everybody that fits? And then there's not because it's custom built. And so most of what we see in, in finance and retirement, we see a lot of automation. We see bots, we see apps, we see companies that are trying to figure out how to get as many eyeballs as possible attached to some monthly re residual income type of app. And then they get sent off to Goldman Sachs and it's sold. That's what the rockets in the, of the world are out there doing. They're creating basically a commodity and when you look at an EQRP, it's a customized built, it's basically a vehicle that we build. And so what does that mean? It's a vehicle where you can pay no taxes on your investing now or in the future ever. And it's, and so it gives you a lot of control. I mean, you can put, you can basically grow this thing as big as you want. Peter Thiel has a $5 billion Roth account. What that means is that he has $5 billion plus, he's almost 60. He'll never pay taxes on that money as it grows and as he takes it out the rest of his life. So this is this is set up to where you, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter whether you're a, a doctor or a butcher, baker, candlestick maker. It doesn't make any difference what you're doing. There's a way for you to use this tool. And it, and it could be from money that you have from an old job, could be new money. Like say you had a IRA or a 401k from an old job and you wanted to roll that over. You want to control that. You could use that and push that into an EQRP. If you were making money as an Uber driver, or you have a, a little hustle, a business, or you're making some money doing almost anything, you could put that into your EQRP. We have people that are putting hundreds of thousands of dollars per year into their EQRP. And they're basically taking all the money that, that they're making and paying no taxes. Like there's all these different, there's all these different strategies. And so it's very customized. The thing that people should really take away is that this is about figuring out what's best for you because I don't know what's best for you. People on my team are going to do, we, we, we do discovery sessions, we do strategy. And what I see in the marketplace is people saying, look at my little hammer. You are a nail. Just trust us. You are a nail. I don't know who you are, or what you, what you're all about. So it's, it's about figuring out your goals, what you have to work with your timelines, and then figuring out if this is a, if there's a way to use this tool and it might be, there's something else. So 
you know, I, it's kind of funny. If you look at brochures, they all make themselves sound out like sound to be like, Hey, this is the best thing ever. You should definitely do this. The EQRP may be the greatest tool you've ever seen. And it may be a tool where you're like, you know what, this is probably not for me. Um, we've had people as young as two and as old as 85 start their EQRPs. Why do they do that? Because it, it's an appropriate tool for them. The two-year-old didn't know this. It was obviously their parents, right. but you know, like people, people use the tool and they invest. One of the things that everybody should know is a lot of people in today's world and in America are using IRAs incorrectly. They're using IRAs to invest in real estate, which can trigger UBIT tax. So if you've got IRAs that are investing in a syndication or a house you're flipping and you took out some hard money, it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to have a, a taxable event. That's one big problem. And last fall, checkbook IRAs where people had control, they had an LLC inside of them. Those are illegal. You cannot use those without being disqualified these days. And that was because the US tax court changed the rules. So what does that all mean? You're like, oh my God, this is information overload. What this means is that it's important for you to have a team. And it's, I, I did a, a podcast recently where I, I talked about how expensive it is to be cheap. And I've seen more people saying, and I'm guilty of this in the past. And I do it now sometimes. And I'm like, oh man, stupid. I'm so cheap. But the, the idea of, hey, I'm smart enough to do my own taxes, to, to be my own lawyer, to, to do all these things. That's where people go, I'll use Google and figure out my tax strategy for retirement planning. That is single-handedly the dumbest thing you can do. What you should do is do research and have a team. And so I, I unfortunately see a lot of people making, I'll give you an example. One guy said, I don't want to have you guys fill out a form. It's $300. And I said, well, I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty smart. You can figure it out. I mean, we're happy to do it. We do it thousands of times a year. And he said, I'll do it. So he did it. And then he sent me a message a few weeks ago and he said, I just got a letter from the IRS. They said, I did my form wrong and I can see what I did wrong. And it's a $61,000 penalty. And I was like, yeah, you dumb, dumb. You being, you, you being cheap is a very expensive lesson. He goes, I got the lesson. And my accountant said, I have to hire a tax attorney and I'm probably going to have to pay this fine. So the, the takeaway here is that find world-class people and then work together, cooperating. It's, it's not about competing. It's not about being the rugged individualist American where you do everything on your own. That's the single-handed dumbest thing ever. Rich people, people that are financially free have teams always. There is no exception ever. And I, unfortunately, most people aren't taught that because they go to our school system where it says, don't cheat, don't conspire, do it by yourself. That's how the rules are. And I think that that's dumb. I think people have to break away from that thinking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, I mean it's just like, it's like fitness, right? Like, sure, you can work out on your own, but you're going to do a lot better if you have a trainer and you can use that strategy in finance and, and really in anything, right? Any area of life, business coaches. I mean, the, obviously not all coaches, not all trainers, whatever the you know, not all teachers are created equal. So it's kind of finding the right group for what you're trying to achieve, but still it, it, it's never going to be a bad thing to have help and, and assistance. And yeah, you're right. It's, uh, I, <laughs> I used to do a lot of construction and we talked <laughs> a little bit about, uh, you know, me sort of flipping houses a long time ago. I used to do a little, a lot of construction and I learned that if I bought the cheap tool, I hated doing what I was doing, but if I bought the right tool, it, it was great. It was successful. And it's like the difference between uh, uh, a cheap sort of off the shelf tile saw versus one you would get from, you know, a real tile store that it is, it, it's not even comparable. So it's a, it's a, it's a lesson that I think could be applied to all of life. Sounds like for that guy, it's a, 
an extremely expensive lesson that I would hate to have learned. So, so yeah, that's, so it's, it's not, it's not a, a sort of a, there's not a set of rules that you would say would be, you know, you have to have a certain income to, to requirement, or you can't make more than a certain amount. Like there are with all of the other ones. That, that those rules that you're talking about are specific to IRAs. And, and there's, there's rules that prohibit people from doing solo 401ks. So this, the EQRP works for anybody and everybody that has a social security number. Like that's, that's how it's built. It's set up so that anybody can do it. If it makes sense for them, doesn't mean everybody should, it means you can, uh, there's, there's nobody we've ever run across that cannot do it because this is unique. This is, and, and, and what's, what's, what's crazy, uh, Jason, people, people are out there trying to say that everything is the same thing. I'm like, so you're telling me that a Ferrari is a Ford. They're like, well, no, 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 that's different. I'm like, yeah, an EQRP is a Ferrari. What you're talking about is, is a Ford. It's basically a car, like a, a Ford Taurus or a Toyota Corolla. Those are cars. Like nobody's going, oh my gosh, I've got the coolest thing. They, I mean, they say that when they have a Ferrari and that's what they say about the EQRP because they realize, wow, this is, this is literally it's in its own class. It's a category of one. That's, that's a very powerful thing. That tool gives people control. It gives them power. And, and it's funny because Who's, who are the raving fans? Are, you, are people raving fans about IRAs or solo 401ks? No. Are they raving fans about EQRPs all day long? And a big part of that is because the, the team, the relationships that we build with people are second to none, that we're actually, we do care. And it's not about lip service. It's about the experience people have. People see that and they feel it. And it's been happening for years. And it's, it's very unusual. And so I, I think anytime I can find a company where there's people and the people actually care about me, I'm not going anywhere, man. In fact, I'm telling everybody. And so we, we, we do, we, we take action every day to show people we care. It's not about telling people we care. It's about showing them. And, and that's, that's where no competition is. It's like, you're all by yourself in any industry, show people you care, watch what happens. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a great point. So the, the idea would be that if, if someone wanted to, to check it out, it, it's really going to be sort of self-structured or structured to that particular individual. It's not, it's not like we can put out some guidelines or something like that. It's more of a, you, your company will uh, construct it based on that person's needs and, and everything, you know, all of the factors that go into it. Yeah. I mean, this, this, what this, this replaces IRAs, SEP IRAs, 401ks, safe Harbor, 401ks. It, it replaces any and all of those and consolidates them. So you have one retirement plan that's, that literally works for you for anything you want to do. And so it, it does, it, it gives you the most options, the most control, the, the most ability to put money in and it has the least amount of restrictions. So it's, and then we form it, we build it around your situation, whether you're by yourself, whether you have spouse, kids, employees, it, whatever it is, whether you're working overseas, like there's, there's a million X factors. I always love when somebody says, Oh no, you should do this. I'm like, you didn't even ask me anything about me, myself. How would you know what I should do? You don't know anything yet. So it's more, it's more the questions. And then we figure out is, should you do this? Cause anybody can, but there's, there's a big difference. I, and I look back when I was doing all my stuff in the two thousands, there were many things that were, I said, you know what, how can I do this? I listened to Robert Kiyosaki say, stop telling people you in yourself, you can't afford it. Ask how you can. So I was asking, how can I for everything? And then I did some really dumb things and I realized I should have been also asking how sh or should I do this? Not just how can I? Right. And that's, that's a, that's, that's the biggest question. Should I be doing this? Cause it, Look, you can you can figure out how how to do something, almost anything, but whether you should or shouldn't, that's more of like your the vision and the compass that that drives you in your north star. That's that's more important. 
Right. And so, but people could, if they have these other retirement vehicles, they can like roll them over into EQRP. That, yeah. That- in, in fact, most people will roll almost everything over. Um, people, you can't roll a Roth IRA over or an inherited IRA. Those two things are basically stuck. Pretty much anything else you can roll over and or convert. So, you know, if you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm at a company, we've got 20 employees, we can convert that. So everybody gets power. You pay less fees because there's no Wall Street juggernaut just destroying you. There's, I mean, it, it, there's, there's a lot of options. People just aren't told about these things and why? Because the Wall Streets and the, the, big, the big institutions want to give you one story and one choice that makes them rich. They don't want to tell you the truth. I don't care whether it's pharma or banking or, or, or Wall Street. They all have an objective and it's to get more of your resources and assets and more of your sweat and blood out of you and into their pocket. No, I, I believe there's there's a lot of fees to be made if you're managing a huge amount of money. I I, I can see the the draw there. Um, well, Damien, let's let's shift gears a little bit, uh, and I'll go ahead and kind of ask you the questions that I ask each guest. Um, the first one is based on the name of the show being "Know Your Why." But so so, Damien, what is your why? What what drives you at these you know levels of success? What what keeps you pushing you forward? The, so the mission that came up a number of years ago after everything melted down, I started over and, and this really got very clear after my dad passed away and it was right before he passed away. We were having a conversation. I knew he had a matter of weeks being where he, he was at with cancer. And he said, I, I remember when he found out he was stage four and I flew up to Alaska and he looked at me and we were talking and he just kind of randomly said, you know, there were so many things that I wanted to do. And I went, wow. I mean, like, what do you do with that? That's, that's regret. Yeah. It's being seared and tattooed onto my heart. I'm going, all right, that's that's a warning shot across the bow of my life. What do you do? And what I realized is that he had never really understood money. And so he didn't have these choices. He lived in fear. He didn't do the things that he wanted to do. He gave up because he just, he didn't feel like he had the ability to. And so the mission I have is to free a million people from that financial bondage, from those shackles that keep people stuck to the, the anxiety or the, the, just the hesitancy around living however they want to live. Once people become financially free, it opens them up to really living. And, and a lot of times people, if, if you're stuck and you're struggling and, and all you're thinking about is survival, it's a very low frequency. It's very low energy. When you stop thinking about survival and you can move to a different thing, all of a sudden it's like, oh, look at all these ways that I can do things for other people. I can make the world better. A million people financially free will change the world. It will create peace. We won't be sitting here thinking about, is there another world war happening? Too many, when people are financially free, they're not in survival mode. And that puts that there's so much energy that goes into creation when people are away from survival and into a different space of creation. It, that's the mission. It's, I mean, in a way it's, it's a, it's a mission for world peace based on people becoming financially free. Well, that's uh, a lofty goal. Uh, but I, I think it's very valid. I mean, I think that's, that's the trick, right? Aiming, aiming high and then becoming like we talked to the beginning, sort of becoming obsessed with that, that mission. I think, uh, I think you're right. I think if people are financially free, it, it takes away a lot of that, um, you know, kind of strife between, between us, right. It's there, there aren't those, um, separations between class and all, you know, all of that stuff that, that just makes people fight for virtually no reason. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's a great one. Um, second question, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, special skill, hobby, something that, uh, that maybe not everybody knows about you. 
I have a skill to make skydiving the most dangerous sport on the planet. And that, and I tell you that because I jumped three times and had three accidents, including having my chute fail on the third one. So I got to use the reserve chute and almost died. Uh, pulling your reserve chute when you're less than a thousand feet up in the air, when you can hear people on the ground is incredibly weird because you go into a space of certainty around death and life is over and it's very, very odd. What's even crazier is doing a fourth jump after two jumps that I had arms mangled and messed up. And then the third jump with a failed shoot. The, the wildest thing about the fourth shoot is everything went fine, except the space shuttle exploded over me. And this is back in 2003 when the Columbia went and blew apart in Arizona, Texas and Louisiana. I was jumping under it. So that's a very strange series of events. And one of the things I, I learned from that was when the universe starts tapping on you, freaking pay attention because the, the, uh, Maybe the don't events, skydive anymore. no, I don't skydive. <laughs> like the next time, like we're going to watch Putin launch a nuclear missile. And I mean, I think we just have to be really conscious that the universe is constantly is giving us feedback all the time. It's giving us warnings and it's giving us encouragement. If we're awake, if we're conscious, then we understand, Oh, okay. That's, we're heading in the right direction or, Hey, maybe this is not the right direction. If, when we don't listen, we get bigger feedback. We get stronger feedback. We get more painful feedback. So that's, I, I finally, I mean, it took the space shuttle and I, I get it. I don't skydive anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's it for me. I <laughs> seems like, seems like there were enough warning signs that maybe that's not, that's not the way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's crazy. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Best way to reach out to me is, I mean, get a copy of my EQRP book and learn. I'll, I'll give you a copy. Just come to eqrp.co and and get a copy. You'll get a report too, which is like 17 pages. It'll it'll help you take the information I gave you with a fire hose and like, oh, okay, I got it. And then I'll, I'll send you a copy of the book and it'll give us a chance to go into a dialogue. We can connect and I'm happy to help people with, with their retirement stuff. Or, you know, if I've had a lot of experience that hard fought experience and it's painful to go through everything that I went through. And happy to share that with people. That's also why I write the books to give those experiences to people because not everybody wants to, or can go through the stuff. It's so hard. And so leveraging off of other people's stuff, that's part of the gift that we give, I think, and, and we can give, uh, we go through things and then we share those experiences like people used to do for millions of years over, around campfires. Today it's books. And so that's, that's my gift to people. And I'd love people to, to go to eqrp.co and, and get a copy of the book and, and start the, the connection. Awesome. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. Final question for you. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is, you know, kind of trying to get started, uh, whether that's investing or real estate or, or just has, has a big dream, but, but uh, doesn't know where to start. What would you tell them? Find somebody that's already done it and go start doing things that make their life easier and you'll become invaluable to them. And what, and here, here's the other thing that you don't want to do. That's kind of what people think they should do. When I say that don't go to somebody that's either rich or successful or has already gone down the road and ask what you can do to help them. They're too damn busy to try to figure out how do you, how you can help them go watch and figure out, and it could be anything. It could be like, Hey, you know what? They need an assistant to go do something. They need to figure out how to bring them deals, go mow their lawn. Do it doesn't really matter. Get creative, start finding things. And there's a law of reciprocity. Like I've, I've had, I've said this for years and it's amazing to me. I, I had it happen one time where a woman played a game called cash flow, And then she said, I want to help. And I said, great. She showed up, she lasted three days. And then she became a long haul trucker. So I don't know if that, whatever that was, that's, that's how you can accelerate your learning. And then I've, I've seen a friend of mine, I, I went out and he, he showed up and he started helping a guy and he became a partner. And then he did this while he was in college. And then he's, I think he's 24, 25 and he's a multimillionaire because he happened to own a little piece of these 
many storage places. And when they sold those things off in the last year and a half, he ended up making a ton of money. And it was because he showed up and he started doing the work. The mistake people make is they say, well, wait, let me go and get some heat out of that fire. And then I'll put some wood into it. That's not how it works. You go grow the tree, then you harvest the tree, then you dry it out. And then you go in there and you put it in the fire and then you, and you light it. And you got to do all that work up front. And there's no guarantees because maybe it's really wet wood, wood and, you, and you're really cold. The bottom line is people are trying to get the benefit before they put the work in. And that's not how the universe works. Think about a field with, with you got to seed it and water it and everything else. People are like, no, I just want to eat. Like, that's not how it works. Go ask God. He'll tell you. I mean, I'm serious. Like, this is a rule. And, and when you understand the rules, you can say, oh, okay, you know what? This isn't even overly complicated. It just requires me to follow those rules. No, hundred percent. You, you, you gotta, you should approach probably, I guess, every situation with you're going to give to receive and, and probably give more than you receive. And then eventually it'll sort of flip that ratio, but yeah, you, you need to go into it with, with putting in the, the work and not expect that, that that person who that has already put in all the work <laughs> is just going to give you the keys to the kingdom for free. It just doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. So, uh, yeah great advice. Um, listen, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. I think it's been a great conversation. Um, and I, I really appreciate having you. Glad to be here. And I look forward to circling back and, and seeing what we can do in the world together. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we will sign out. Have a great day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.